Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Good morning, church. My name's Emily, and today I'm bringing you part two of our Sunday School series. Now, last week, if you joined us, you would have heard um, Pastor Mike talking about Daniel on the Lion's Den. And today, as you would have just seen in our video before this, um, we are doing Jonah. Um, so you might have heard Jonah and the Whale, um, might have heard this story as you've grown up, maybe you attended Sunday School, or maybe you've never heard it before, and that's okay. Um, and our aim really is to just look at the story in a different way, perhaps think about things that we haven't before, rather than just taking stories that we've always heard and just assuming the meaning, um, to really look at things in a different way. So I hope you enjoy today. Now, it is the hottest weekend of the year. I am slightly mousing already. Make sure you've got yourself a nice cold drink. Um, grab your Bible, grab your pen, and just write down anything that you feel that God speaks to you about today. And I pray that you'll be open to hear his voice and um, ready to hear something new. So as we begin this today, then I've got a question for you. And that question is, have you ever found yourself saying, that's not fair? Now, if you've never said that's not fair, I don't believe you. (laughs) I don't think you're quite human. Um, If you've got toddlers or children or teenagers, you might be hearing this quite a lot. That's not fair. Um, But I'm talking especially about the times when we see things happen to other people that we don't agree with. Maybe we don't think they're so great at something. Maybe we don't think they deserve something. And we're stood there thinking, well, that's not fair. How come that's happened to them? How come they get that treatment? Um, I remember being at school and um, I used to work really hard. And in order to get good exam results, I had to work hard. I had to revise. I had to stay up late. Um, I had to go to extra sessions with my teachers. I really had to listen because I couldn't just remember things straight away. Um, uh, And so when it came to tests, that was my approach. But I would have friends that would sit in a lesson and hear something once and then they would just remember it. And I would get my B and I think, oh, I've done really well. I've worked really hard. And then I'd have some friends around me that would get their A's and their A stars by literally putting no effort in. And I would think, well, that's not fair. How come they get that? How come I work so hard and I only get this far? Uh, And then they don't even try and they get so much better. Um, And you might have experienced that too, or you might have had other experiences. Perhaps you work really hard day to day and then you look around at people and it just seems that opportunity just falls into their lap, that they don't even have to lift a finger and they get things that you think, oh, I've worked really, really hard for that. Or maybe you've been working really hard in your job and you think, right, there's this promotion coming up and I'm definitely going to get it. Uh, And you've done all the right things and you've acted in all the right way. And then you just see someone come straight in and take that opportunity and they get that promotion and maybe you don't necessarily agree with the way that they act or you don't think they work as hard as you and it can leave us feeling like that's not fair. And really what we should be doing in all of these situations is being really proud of people and really pleased for them and celebrating them but you know in our human human response we easily can just say that's not fair. Uh, And instead of celebrating and instead of being pleased, we can end up just looking at ourselves and thinking, well, surely I deserve that. Surely um, that's that's not the treatment they should be getting right now. Maybe you feel like you want to just out them or um, but we can easily, easily get caught up in this. That's not fair trap. Now, this attitude of that's not fair, I think, is the place where we start with Jonah. 
um, because he's got lots going on and we might have through our Sunday school versions just assumed that Jonah was scared um, but there's a lot more that he's thinking about the situation so um, the story you might have heard is that Jonah was a prophet and he was asked by God to go and speak to a city called Nineveh and ask them to repent and come back to him uh, but Jonah wasn't very happy about this and he was scared so he ran away um, he ended up getting swallowed by a big whale and then eventually went back to Nineveh and shared the words of God. Um, but there's actually a lot more to this story than just that. And um, whilst all of those things did happen, uh, this that's not fair attitude is the thing that is driving Jonah's response to God. Um, so in Jonah 1 verses 1 to 2, God says to Jonah, um, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, we see how much Jonah strongly disagrees with what God's asked him to do, because Tarshish was a place that was known to be like the furthest, furthest place that he could possibly get to. Uh, it was way over to the west, towards Spain, and he was obviously trying to make a point that he wanted to do the absolute opposite of what God had asked him to do. And Jonah was right to be scared. So we've learned that he was scared and he ran away um, because Nineveh was a large pagan city. Um, it was very intimidating. It was full of very nasty people um, that did very nasty things. And if Jonah had gone to Nineveh, there was this huge risk that he could be mocked, he could be attacked, or he could even be killed. So there's those things. But I think beyond that, Jonah just didn't want to go because he didn't feel like these people deserved uh, the love of God. They didn't deserve to have the opportunity to come back to him after all these evil things that they were doing and the way that they were treating people. Um, so the story goes on in chapter two that Jonah ends up, um, he's swallowed by a big fish. God gives him opportunity to realise that, oh, actually, yeah, okay, I will, God, I will go and do it. Um, and in chapter three, he goes on to share the message as planned. And the amazing thing is, is when he shares the message with the people uh, in Jonah three verses 10, um, it says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So because of Jonah's words, uh, the people were free. Um, God didn't bring upon them anything to harm them. And they turned, they turned their ways back to him. But despite all of this, despite the fact that Jonah has survived being in the belly of a fish, to, um, despite the fact that Jonah has gone and given this message to the people of Nineveh, um, he's still got this awful attitude of that's not fair. In chapter 4, verses 1 to 2, it says, but, Jonah, uh, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. So this is what I tried to stop by fleeing in the first place. Like, God, why are you doing this? Why did these people deserve this? Um, he should have been happy that God had saved the people, that he had delivered the message and that he was okay. Um, surely you would be celebrating if you'd given that message to the horrible people and they hadn't turned on you. Um, but Jonah just appeared to um, suggest that he was more deserving of God's love, that these people just weren't, and that how dare God, how dare God share um, this lovely message with them and save them. But what amazes me in all of that, in the fact that Jonah has spent four chapters just dragging his heels, moaning, sulking, not wanting to do what God's asked him to do, and 
and still complaining once God has set these people free. Um, What amazes me is that God still pursues him. And even though this book was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus, uh, we see the character of Jesus displayed all through the way God responds to Jonah. Um, And the story of Jonah shows us just how Jesus continually pursues us with grace and mercy. And all the way through, God's grace and mercy comes to Jonah um, and is there and is present all the way through. And God pursued Jonah with this grace and mercy. Now, grace just means favour and mercy is talking about compassion. And so this favour and compassion that was all through God's message to Jonah um, just amazes me. And there are so many reasons why um, God could easily have given up on Jonah. So one of those reasons is that Jonah, first of all, he ran away. Jonah ran away. Um, And if you ask someone to do something for you, the last thing you want for them to do in response is to run. Um, and God could easily, easily have just gone, forget it then, Jonah. Fine, you go and do your own thing and I'll go and find someone else. Um, but he didn't. He pursued Jonah and he knew that Jonah needed time and he needed space and he needed gentleness and kindness. Uh, and this character of Jesus, of all those things, uh, just follows Jonah through um, into the boat where he tried to get away to Tarshish. Um, And then when Jonah asks to be thrown overboard in chapter one, um, it says, Jonah one verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. God gave Jonah that opportunity just to rest, just to listen, just to respond. And in the belly of that fish, he began to pray and he began to say the, the truth of God and realised um, that he could turn, turn back to God. And God was just so kind and so gracious that he would follow, uh, follow Jonah, give him the space and allow him the time just to fulfil what he'd asked him to do. And how many times do we find ourselves uh, running from God when he speaks? That is so easy for us to do. And maybe because it's maybe it's because we're scared. Maybe it's because we don't think we're good enough. Um, maybe it's because we're too busy with our own lives and our own plans that we just think, oh, it's not convenient. Or um, even maybe we think we have uh, that's not fair attitude about ourselves. Maybe we look at ourselves and think, oh, I'm not worthy of that. Look at that person over there. They've got it all right. And oh, you don't you don't deserve to um, to follow God and to serve him and do these great things for him. Uh, But God never, ever gives up on us. He meets us in our mess. He meets us in our uh, fear. He meets us in just all of our failings. uh, And he pursues us with his grace and with his mercy, um, just like he did with Jonah. In Colossians 2, verses 13 to 14, it says, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Jesus has already paid the price for all of the mistakes you'll ever make and he's nailed it to the cross. That's done. That's past failings, um, present failings and everything in the future that is to come. There's absolutely nothing that can stop the plan of God. And even if you continue to run away like Jonah did, um, God will still pursue you with mercy and with grace. So um, we need to get back up. We need to turn back to God and allow his gentleness and kindness, because that's exactly what he does to mend us and to steer us back towards the plans that he has for us. 
So God could have given up on Jonah because he ran away. But also God could have easily have given up on Jonah because Jonah was seen to be double-minded. Um, so by double-minded, I mean he was saying one thing about God, but doing another. So right at the beginning of the of the story, God asks Jonah to go to Nineveh and he says no, and he is on the run. We know that. Um, but then when he's out at sea uh, with these men in the boat, this storm hits and they ask him, who are you? He's re- they're realising that Jonah, there's something different about him. And Jonah says in Jonah 1 verses 9, um, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So you've got this tension between Jonah saying no to God and being on the run. And then on the other side, he's saying, I'm a Hebrew, I worship the Lord. Um, And easily, God could have just gone, what are you saying? Are you in or are you out? Do you want to follow me or do you not want to follow me? Uh, And he could have just given up on Jonah. But I love the fact that God uses this opportunity, even in Jonah's weaknesses, even in this slight double-mindedness of saying one thing and doing another, um, that he would choose to use Jonah. Um, And after listening to Jonah and following his instructions, the men throw Jonah overboard uh, and instantly the sea becomes calm. So it says in Jonah 1 verses 15 to 16, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So if it hadn't been for Jonah messing up and it hadn't been for the fact that there was a storm raging because of him and him diving overboard, the people on the board, uh, people on the boat never would have seen just the magnificence of God and the way that he could work and the way that he wanted to um, speak to them in that moment. So God's grace, remember his favour, was on Jonah in that moment to work through, work through his weakest moment when he was at his lowest point. Um, God was still there, still working, still moving in his weaknesses. Um, And how many times do we just count ourselves out because we think we've made a mistake, we've messed up, we've been a bit hot uh, and then a bit cold for God, we're not not quite sure where we're at. God can still work through us in those moments. Um, He still pursues us with that grace, with that favour. He's still using opportunities, even in our mess, to lead other people to him. Um, In 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, it says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. I just love what Paul says there. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. It's not often in life that we boast about our weaknesses, but in our weakness, that's where God works. And if we count ourselves out, every time we make a mistake, then we will not see the power of God moving. We will not see uh, the way that he can work through our lowest, lowest points. Um, So if you think that I've messed up, I've done it now, that's it. Just hear me today that that it's not true and that in your weakest moments, that's where God's working and his grace and his mercy pursues you and continues to work through you all for his glory. So there are some of the ways that God pursued Jonah with mercy and with grace. 
But God also extended this amazing pursuit to Nineveh through how he followed Jonah. Um, So we can look at at the story of Nineveh from the outside and just say, yeah, we agree with Jonah. They they totally do not deserve this grace and this mercy from God. Look at them. They were such a mess. Why why would God even bother? Um, But no, God wanted them just as much as he wanted um, to be close to Jonah. And so much so that he was willing to pursue Jonah uh, through running away, through being in a storm, getting thrown overboard, being put in the belly of a fish, uh, waiting three days for Jonah to decide, yeah, okay, I'm ready now, God. Um, and all of these things, he's, he's following Jonah, following Jonah. Um, and he could have easily just gone, oh, forget it. This, this city, they're not worth it. I'll just let them die. I'll just, I'll just forget them. I'll just turn my back on them. But that wasn't it. And not only did he do all of those things, um, but in Jonah 3 verses 4 to 5, uh, we hear about how God gave Nineveh a further 40 days then to make their decision to come back to him. So um, it says, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. So another 40 days and in that time they responded to him they responded to God and they came back to him and you might be new to faith and you might never have decided to follow God you might feel like you're the furthest away from from God right now you might not feel like you're as bad as Nineveh you haven't done all these horrible things but uh, you know that you're far away from him and God has been pursuing you all through your life he comes today with grace and with mercy And just like the fact that he followed Jonah and pursued him through all of that time and gave Nineveh so many opportunities to come back to him, that's exactly what God does to you today. Um, Jesus, through his death on the the cross, extended this invitation for you. Um, And we see this amazing parallel between those two stories, between God's love for Nineveh and Jesus's love for mankind and the things that he did for us. Uh, In Romans 5, verses 6 to 10, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Nineveh didn't have it all together. They were far from perfect. And you might be feeling that today. You might be feeling, oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough to come to God. But it says that Christ died for the ungodly. For us, uh, he demonstrates his own love for us whilst we were still sinners. Whilst you're tangled up in all your rubbish and feeling like what is the biggest mess, Jesus died for you and he did that for you for once and for all. Um, And we just see this amazing grace and mercy. And um, in the same way that God reached out to Nineveh, he reaches out to you today and gives you that opportunity. He has never thought, forget it they're not worth it. I'm just going to forget this. He continues and continues to pursue you with his grace and with his mercy. 
So as I've been talking today, you might have found yourself connecting with either Jonah or Nineveh. Maybe you're feeling like Jonah because you've run away from God a number of times. You've allowed yourself to be fearful. You've allowed yourself to maybe be angry at certain things that have happened. Maybe your doubts have become too big. Maybe the things that have happened around you have just caused you to question things and and be double-minded. Say that you believe in God, but actually you don't want to do anything for him. Maybe you've got yourself tangled up in that, but God's message to you today is that he's not given up on you. He pursues you. He can work through your weaknesses uh, and he just wants you to come back to him today and to receive grace and mercy and to stop counting yourself out. Or maybe you're feeling like Nineveh today. Maybe you feel like you're a million miles away from him um, and that you're just not in a good place. But God's message to you today is that he's never stopped pursuing you. He has grace and he has mercy for you. He died for you. Jesus paid it all for you. He's nailed your rubbish to the cross and he wants to be in a relationship with you today. And so I just want you to have a little think about that. And I'm going to pray for you at the end. But there's one more thing that I just want to bring to us as a church. Um, And that's this. That's not fair attitude that I was talking about earlier on. So we as Christians can get really comfy in our lives and just think, oh, well, I've got it all together. So it doesn't matter about them. Oh, no, they're too far gone. Or we can easily just forget that our main purpose on this earth is to bring people to God. Um, And as you will have heard me say earlier, Jonah was just angry, really angry that God would reach out to this nation and save them. Um, In Jonah 4 verse 11, um, God responds to Jonah and says, And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? And this is where the, the whole story finishes. It just finishes with this question. Should I not have great concern for Nineveh? Jonah, why are you so angry about this? I should be concerned. These are my people just as much as you are. Um, and I think we need to continue, uh, sorry, continually ask ourselves, are we too busy just looking within ourselves, um, getting stuck in our church ways and in our Christian ways that we forget um, that God has put people around us, that he is pursuing, and we need to be ready to be open with and to draw to him. So let's be a church with open arms that are ready to embrace all people, no matter how far we think they're gone, uh, no matter what we think is bad or not so bad, regardless of our opinions, they matter to God. And just as God was questioning Jonah's anger and his just complaining that he was doing all the way through, I think God wants to question us on that again today. Um, So let's display grace and mercy, the grace and mercy of Jesus, the character of Jesus, because we are him on this earth. We are displaying that to other people. Um, And let's keep our eyes and our ears open to opportunities to speak, uh, speak to others and to draw others to him, because we are here to spread that message of hope and of love and of restoration to the people around us. So let me just pray for you. So have a think. Um, Are you a Jonah? Are you a Nineveh? Do you need to just focus a little bit more on the fact that there are people out there that need to know God's message and not get caught up in your own self? God, I thank you that you continue to pursue us. I thank you that your mercy and your grace 
follow us every day, uh, wherever we are, no matter what we do. And God, I pray for anybody that feels uh, connected to Jonah today. Um, anyone that feels like they've been making mistakes, they've been running away, they've been avoiding you. God, I pray that they will realise today that nothing can count them out of your purpose. Nothing can um, stop the, the plans that you have for their lives. And God, I pray that they will just turn to you and receive again your grace and your mercy and your love and your peace. And um, just to lay all those things down and start again. And God, I pray for those of us that are feeling like Nineveh today, feeling like they're far, far away from you. God, I thank you that even if they've given up, you've not given up on them and you pursue them with your grace and with your mercy. And God, I pray that you will be so real to them today and so close to them and they will find um, they will find peace and they will find restoration in you. And God, I pray for us as a church. I pray that we won't get so caught up in our own comfort and our own little church life that we forget that there are people that we meet every day that you've put in our path to lead to you to speak words of hope to to speak words of life to and to point them to you Jesus and Jesus I thank you that you died on that cross for us to wipe us of all of our rubbish of all of our fear and all of our failure and Jesus we just give ourselves over to you again today in the name of Jesus amen